With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. All right, how are you guys doing? This episode is sponsored by Shady Rays. We are back. Uh, the last, what was the last one? It was two days ago. Two days ago, we posted a video. Um, what was it yesterday? Not two days two, ago. Two days ago, okay. So... I, I had no idea. I don't really check. I don't really go through back and read comments very often. It's just not what I do. I like, I, I, I prep the videos. I film them. I just dump it and I forget about it. But apparently we caused a little bit of a stir with this last one. It's not really intentionally. It's not really a hit piece. But there was a, t- a New York Times article that just came out. And I, I wouldn't call it a hit piece. They're just going like diving deep. You guys remember the, the individual? I, you know, I got to make sure I get the, the name correct. It's what, what is the full name? Sarah Ashton Cirillo, correct? Did I say that correct? Okay. So Sarah Ashton Cirillo came out with some stuff the other day, and then uh, she posted well, the video that we had done. Well, this New York Times article comes out and really dove really deep into stuff, the stuff that I had thought had been true. Now, I'm going to tell you guys, a lot of you guys out there were like, inside the comments of the last video, why didn't you come out if you knew? Well, the thing is, is I didn't have the backing and the manpower the New York Times does to go deep diving into this stuff, you know? And when I'm going to come out and like, accuse somebody of something that I'm not entirely sure of, that just makes an ass out of myself and it's just not the way I do things, you know? I have a gentleman inside of my DMs right now giving me a ton of information, but I say, give me proof. And there's no actual physical proof. You have to, there has to be proof behind me coming out and saying something. I didn't have any proof. It was my own thoughts and it was 100% correct, which we're going to dive into, but I will say this. There was somebody that said that I had never used this overseas and there was no dust that it came off of it. I about laughed. I'm going to overlay a couple images. I have one that was actually a screenshot from a video that was taken of just after me killing my first individual was actually wearing this vest. And there's another one before I went on an opt where I was just sitting there miserable. I think I had a pistol on my front. I, I, it's just, I knew I was going to need all around. So this, this is a good little vest. And whoever said that it wasn't true, you know, here I got, it's kind of this, you know, I asked for, I said, give me your DD14, right? Hey, give me that image over there. We can keep doing this all day. So you guys want some more proof? Here's me in sniper school, graduation class uh, in 2011. There's that one. That's a year before I went to Afghanistan that time. That was after I came back from Iraq. So we can, we can do this proof stuff all day. It's easy, you know. But I'm not out here blatantly making some stuff up. And what you're going to hear me talk about here in a second gets under my fucking skin like a, like more than ever. If you lie about your military service, like in the U.S. military, and you're claiming you went to Iraq or Afghanistan, which apparently that's come across multiple times, that's, that fucking makes me so mad because I've got buddies that actually died doing it. And then there's cowards that are pretending to be that. It fucking makes me so angry. So now we got through that piece. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into the actual fucking facts. So there's my tidbit. Fucking frauds in this shit. Make, they're making me mad. The big, this is the, one of the biggest fraudulent thing I've ever seen during a war time. You know that people are going to take advantage of a human being just to make profit off of a fucking war like this. It makes me... Makes you explode. It may, no, it's, it's, not, it's not just making the four part because we're on this, on this podcast. Yes, we, we make the, inter- uh, the content. We've got to generate revenue to pay for you or pay for him. I mean, for you to come over here, we spent, what, $7,500 so far, 8000 oh, in flights so far just to get him over. Like, this shit does, it's not free. So you guys know we have to generate revenue to do That's why we have ads in these things. 
but it's just news too. It's just know? news. Yeah, it's like just, Al Jazeera, it's just, all that. Like none of them are. None of them are like they're all for profit. Everything's for profit because you have you to know, make money. Yeah, journalists make money. People make money. People at work in businesses making money to make equipment for war. That's like it or not. I wish we could just not have war. I wish we just could not any war. But no, these companies around. have to exist. No, you have right. to have people employed, and there's going to be journalists, and there's going to be whatever. The problem then starts is when you're saying you're doing one thing and you're doing something else. Where that's where it begins. That's the problem. And this is this is what we're going to dive into. So you guys know I had the gentleman on my show. What was it? Eight months ago. But what was it, Charles? We had that. You had pulled it. I took months. nine months ago. So nine months ago. So I actually took the videos down, not because I'm like ashamed of it or anything. I just don't want people to go on those videos, not knowing about all this, and then donating to that organization that I was promoting. Because at the time, I mean, what are we were like two months into the war, and I was like, okay, cool. They're going to be buying helmets and gear and like uh, medical aid. That's pretty much all it was. I was like, yeah, cool. I can get on board with that. I think I gave him five grand. He's either three or $5,000. I can't remember. I think it was five grand. I gave him five grand myself. I think we raised, like I said, over $100,000 just for them that day over those span of those videos. But during the videos, there was some stuff that were said, like I, I told you guys last time, but I didn't really, nothing aligned. I didn't really dive too deep into it. A lot of stories did not pan out. I told you about the one where you pop over a wall and you somehow hit a javelin, which is absolutely the most false thing. And right when he said that, I was like, okay, now stuff started to, started to align. Nothing's really making sense here. And I told you guys about the clean clothes and the, the uniform not matching. Okay. Now, one of the big things, which is why, like the New York Times right here, they reviewed more than 100 pages of documents from insider, like inside volunteer groups and interviewed more than 30 volunteers, fighters, fundraisers, donors, and American and Ukrainian officials. I don't have that kind of manpower. So when people come out and they're like, hey, why didn't you come out? Well, I have no idea. I don't have. I don't have. Well, how many people really work on this? They had a team, a like a it's legit a team of people. The Times, I don't have Editors, a team. research is it's, if it's big. It's, I, it's Media me. is bigger than people think. Yeah, it's, it's huge. To do that kind of thing. You're talking the amount of money it is just to research this kind of stuff. My God. I wouldn't be surprised they had 15 people working on this one project. Just as one project. That's it's, it's that's how credit is. But they go on and go through here, and it's a thing based on a million lies, which <sighs> this, this is when it gets underneath my f***ing skin tremendously. Stolen valor pisses me the f*** off. And it, and, it, and, it, and it kicked up my spidey senses in my truck on the third day after we went helicopter. I, I told the guy, I said, hey, come in. I'll take you helicopter hug, and we'll do a couple of interviews. We'll help raise money for your organization. It'll be all good. We can raise awareness about the war in Ukraine. That's, that's really what the whole podcast was about. Let's, let's speak on it. It's what we've been doing. So we came in. We did it. My spidey senses were going off a little bit. Okay. There's some stuff like this that was said inside the, the, the podcast. Uh, but they, they suck. And when they come across us, you know, they, listen, first of all, we don't take prisoners. You come across my squad, it's a, you know, it's a death sentence for you. Um, we, we don't even know what to do with a prisoner if we took one. And these guys are so, so this village that now saying something like that is not something you should ever say. So, you know what? <laughs> We're talking about money. You know, what's worse than funneling money into something you don't even know what you're talking about. How about this? How about buying an expensive pair of sunglasses, losing right off the bat, right out the gate or breaking them? Not for, it's not for me. Okay. Not since I got Shady Rays. Shady Rays makes high quality sunglasses that are just as good or not, in my opinion, a little bit better than the expensive ones. Shady Rays are a fraction of the price as well. Shady Rays are durable, built to tackle all life's outdoor adventures. Their styles are timeless and on point. They make me look good. My wife likes it. They even make this son of a gun look good. If they can make Willie look good, they make me look good. I think they make you look good, not just me. I mean, make him look good. You can look good. The polarized lenses for crystal clear vision during strong sun. You can see through the water if you try to do a little bed fishing. 
Speaking about strong, there's a reason why I don't, I don't worry about losing them or breaking my Shady Rays ever. Every pair of Shady Rays is backed by their industry-leading lost and broken replacements program. Yes, if you guys break or lose your pair, they get a second one. Hey, it's taken out of the box. Guess what? They send it for free for free. So Shady Rays isn't happy unless you're happy. That's why they're giving you guys a 30-day try them. So go ahead and try them. And if you guys don't like them, you guys can actually exchange them or return them for free. Yes, for free. With every order, the Shady Rays Impact Program works with nonprofits worldwide. God, this is ironic. Works with nonprofit worldwide to make an impact on lives of children and young adults. That's why you and Shady Rays are making an impact together. So like I said, what's better than getting one pair of Shady Rays and not worrying about if you guys break and or lose them? Why don't you guys get two? Go to ShadyRays.com forward slash Rob and use code Rob for a limited time. When you guys buy one pair of Shady Rays, you guys will get a second pair for free. Yes, for free. That is S-H-A-D-Y-R-A-Y-S.com forward slash Rob. Use code Rob to get a second pair for free. That is ShadyRays.com forward slash Rob. Willie and I, we're both in the military. Everybody knows how to take a prisoner. Just because you're inside of a war, you're inside of a, an area where you're like, I don't know if you guys saw my facial expression. It's so it's like cringeworthy, it's like even hearing that. And everyone, basic training, like they know very early it. on basic training, you learn sorting and pucking prisoners of POWs. You learn how to do that very early on. You've got every soldier carries those like three card things yeah, within NATO to have a prisoner because it happens in war, it happens everywhere. And everyone's trained in that. And him saying, what, we don't even know how to. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That just, that's not sense. it. Now, he goes on inside <laughs> this thing. He also talks about he solicited donations because he was inside of uh, Kuwait during Desert Swarm. And he was also in Iraq after 9-11. Now, my, myself and him, I've done a little bit of digging on this just so mm-hmm. everybody was, you know, we're going to play. Let's play that clip real quick. Okay, cool. So and during that time, did you have any like deployments, uh, any combat? Yeah, I was in... Uh Kuwait, and then in the storm, and I was in Iraq um, after 9/11, and uh, and you know got back out. And, yeah, I, I was out for eight years, and then after 9/11, I went back in, and then I uh, then I got out again, and uh, so now this is uh, this is a whole different animal right yeah. now. Yeah. So I guess to... so even before Ukraine, we, we need to thank you, uh, protecting America. So thank you very much for that. My honor. Now you guys saw that clip. So it come out that he's actually never been deployed to Kuwait, Iraq, or anywhere else. This is coming directly from a, the Pentagon, not from some random source. This is coming directly from the Pentagon, which he has found that his wife was also pushing the same note that he was in Afghanistan one time and Iraq twice or something. Yeah. Very strange. The whole When you, when you have a, a mess of lies tangled together, it's very hard to keep tabs on what those lies are. And, I, and this whole podcast, this whole thing we built here to speak the truth, we've done it because we try to maintain like that vision of, of not straying off and keeping everything as, as aligned as it needs to be. He did not get out. This is, this is where, this is where it tipped for me inside my truck. When we dropped him off at the hotel and I was pretty much, I cut it off at that point. He specialized in fuel and electric repairs. He wasn't even a tanker. So this is, we're going to take some math into account here. He was born. Oh, hold on. I got to also say this. He left the army reserves, by the way, not as a sergeant, as he claimed, but he told me he was staff sergeant. He left as a private first class. And I found something that was sent over to me, PFC, by the way, that he apparently he was actually discharged, not honorably, but actually discharged. I don't know if that's true or not. So I'm just going to tell you guys that right now. But he said this, that he's actually been misrepresenting his military record for decades, decades. He acknowledged being kicked out of the army. So he was dishonorably discharged from what I can find out or failure to adapt something like that. That's what I can think. Cause you know, I was actually in, I f- know this. Some people, they cannot 
coexist with other fucking human beings. So they get released on a failure to adapt. I've had a couple guys like that. We don't want fucking scumbags fighting in a war with us. So they're failure to adapt. They got to go. That could have been a thing. I have no idea. I didn't go through a DD-214, never been out there. It doesn't really matter. He didn't want to talk publicly about it. doesn't really matter. I don't care. He said this publicly. He said this himself in the interview. I had to tell a million lies to get ahead. That's coming directly from Vasquez himself. I didn't realize it was going to come out like this. Of course it's going to come out like this because when you're trying to get a bunch of, you're just saying lies over and over and over again, it's not going to happen. So when he told me in my truck that he was inside of Desert Storm, so I didn't do any math. It wasn't like, hey, yo, what year were you born? What year were you born? What were, can I see your two DD-214? You know how weird that'd be to say to somebody? I don't believe you. Give me your DD-214. But I knew instantly, right when he said this, he got out of Desert Storm, okay, which we've done the math. He's born in what? So we, his Instagram name is JM Vasquez, 1974. And we've actually gone back through his posts of when his birthday was. So it's the 21st of April, at least when he put the it out. The 24th, 21st so, of July. No. It was April? 21st okay. of April. So he posted another thing about birthday. And okay. That. But as far as I'm aware, but either way, doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter. So I'm believing it's the 21st of April, 1974. But the final day of Desert Storm I got was right here. Yeah. Yeah, 28th of February, 91, which means he was 16 years old and 10 months. But on the first day of Desert Storm, he would have been 16 years and three months. Now, what age can you get into the U.S. military? 16, maybe? I would start? say, no, it's 17. I would say 17, that's parental wherever. Now with that, so... But he was 16 at, at Desert Storm either 16 way. at Desert Storm. But even with that, you got AIT and you have normal basic training. You have 22 weeks right there because what we found out earlier, he was a some sort of mechanic. So he was not what he had claimed to even be a tanker, which is kind of goofy. Yeah, so 22 weeks at just over five months. Of, of all the jobs you'd pick, why would you want to be, I'm going to be a tank? Like, like, that's that's what I say about people. Like, watch a kid play soldiers. They always play infantry. That's what you want to be. That's so weird. But the, by the way, this is not a hit piece whatsoever. The big thing that pisses me off the most is fucking lying about stolen valor. Because I personally know men that have been fucking killed actually in war doing it. You know what I mean? So don't fucking pretend. That shit get, drives me nuts. I actually have made plenty of videos over my other channel, Lunkers, that have had millions and millions of views of me absolutely fucking throttling people that are stolen valor in public. And so anyway, my truck, he told me he got out in after Desert Storm. And then after 9-11, he got back in. He got out as a sergeant, but they let him back in eight years later, which I didn't even know was eight years later at that time. Eight years later as a staff sergeant. Right when he said that, I said, f***ing lights off. This dude's a f***ing tool. He is lying 100 million percent. There's absolutely no way that you can go back in eight years later, for God's sakes, as a gosh dang staff sergeant. You don't even know what the f*** the new regs are, you know? Like right when he said that, I was like, oh, I'm out. I'm done. They had both, him and Rip both hit me up like three or four months later trying to get back on the show to fucking tell their story. I said, no, I'm out on that shit. I am fucking, don't, I didn't even respond, just left it. I did go to DC, like I said to you guys. I went and met these guys, saw their operation. It was actually, I would say it was more like a fundraiser. I didn't actually give any money that time. I just went and show face and I shook the hands of some actual Ukrainian guys that were doing some drone shit. It was kind of cool. And met a couple of pipe hitters that I believe to be real because their background in the military was fucking real. And that's when I aligned with my wife sitting next to me that the stories that he told me were not fucking real at all. Every one of them was fake. All of it was fake. Doesn't really matter. Now you can even push even further. Now I told you guys inside that same little group, okay, I told you guys yesterday, Malcolm Nance. I don't know the guy, I don't fucking really care. But if you're gonna portray yourself as being a behind the scenes badass warrior, at least do it. And be correct about it. Now it's coming out in this same New York Times article that Nance apparently left Ukraine, but he continues fundraising with this new group of allies. 
I guess they've been having like some tit or some problems. I don't really know. I don't really follow the drama of Ukraine apparently other than the actual war itself. Uh, but one of them apparently he's now attached with a guy named Ben Lackey who was a former Legion member as well. He told his fellow volunteers that he was once a Marine. Okay. So he wrote this on LinkedIn. Do you know Ben, ben Lackey? If you're looking up. I know the name. L-A-C-K-E-Y. Anyway, Ben Lackey. This gentleman wrote on LinkedIn that he had most recently been an assistant manager at Longhorn Steakhouse. For you guys living outside the United States, imagine just your run-of-the-mill chain restaurants that sells mediocre steaks. This actually came out again that the Pentagon said that he has no military experience whatsoever, and he did work as a, as a damn server at a steakhouse. So he wasn't an assistant manager. He's like, he literally lied about being an assistant manager, for God's sake. Not only that, he was just a server. <sighs> anyway, he lied about this, which was really weird. So that whole thing, I told you guys, that this is a weird mix of groups. And it's just, um, and then we get into misdirecting of funds. I know a lot of people out there, I don't know much about Rip and himself, but that is the same group of guys. And this is where all that money goes for. Remember I told you guys, we raised a bunch of money for them. And I'm, I'm coming, I feel like I said, I feel good that I'm, I'm now able to talk about this because I didn't have the resources to find this out, but I'm so glad someone else actually did come out to do it. The paper trail. This is, this is, this is wild. So this is going to be a very, like I told you guys, American support for this war is, is diminishing significantly. Just, just due to the fact that it's been drawn out, but this kind of stuff makes it look terrible. It gives a lot of ammunition to, to like the pro-Russian propaganda stuff too. It's a lot of ammunition because you'll see one of the big ones is corruption, corruption, corruption. They harp on. And it's true. There is a lot of corruption in Ukraine. There's a shitload in Russia too. But stuff like this absolutely feeds into that. And the damage that some of these guys can do to reputations is it's disgusting. Huge. Now, talk about paper trails. This is one that I, I actually know. I've talked to these guys. I actually did personally talk to these guys. I was, I think, I think like June, July, that maybe more. I don't remember what it was. Anyways, beginning of something about the same time last year. They asked me if I wanted to be on the board. I was like, not about it because I didn't really want to be a part of it. I was doing too much other stuff. They had spent apparently $63,000 on night vision and thermal optics. This is when you go down a really crazy trail right here because that's the kind of stuff you cannot send over to Ukraine. You can't just send it. as a, You just can't do it. You can send stuff like helmets, you know, helmets or vests or medical supplies, but you don't want to send thermals and night vision because that stuff can get lost on the battlefield and get it picked up, and that's pretty much going to be used. It's just the way it goes. This is when it gets weird. So Frontline Volunteers says that they delivered equipment to Ukraine without required documentation, listing the actual buyers and recipients. Recently, there's been a federal, the federal authorities that began investigating these shipments. My God. And that's now, a big deal because it's not only America. No. Because I because this comes under ITAR. Uh, yes. International Traffic of Arms Regulations. Okay, so you're going to explain that, yeah. a lot of this is not only American secrets. So, like, yeah, a lot of equipment is American stuff. But what it's voiding is if we use the same night vision or thermals in Australia or in the UK or Germany as you do in America and it gets sent into Ukraine from wherever, it's international trafficking. It's a big deal it's because, because is... we're going because then countries like Australia or other countries will go, hey, what are you doing with this stuff? Like that's a big deal because that's where we have a lot of ITAR problems in Australia because we're using American equipment. And if we were to lose something or something get compromised, America come to us and go, what the hell have you done? So ITAR, it, especially therm, like, you know, like... Yeah, you would have you would have been that. around where weapons have been lost in units or whatever. And if a gun gets lost, well, whatever. But if a pair of night vision, I had to go optic, on an entire 
fucking operation to recover one set of nods yeah. that have been lost during an op. Yeah. I'm not a, that's not a fucking joke. And it oh, was no, lost no. by the na Shoot. National Guard. The fucking National Guard. You son of a bitch just lost it. We had to go back in and find the fucking shit. That's not even, not even a joke. Not even that. It was a clicker too. You know where you fill your radios? I had that whole conversation. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. radio, radios, radios massive. are massive. Yes, I get it. But, but thermal. I, you know, this guy, he did actually show his records. So I guess he did send his records to the Times that show that just as Volunteer said, he did not, he did not disclose to the State Department as the buyer. So... At least he has the correct paper or some paperwork that's not correct. Right. They, they've raised over a million dollars, which I know they have, thanks to their former Connecticut contractor, Mr. Va Mr. Vasquez. So who claimed to be their group's chief strategy officer? Wow, that guy had a, that is the guy for their strat. And his online audience. Ripley spent about $25,000 on remote control reconnaissance cars last year, but they never arrived either. Shipping wretched show. Uh, I guess they got held up in Poland over legal concern, which is not super shocking. So I don't know, really know. I mean, that, does that really shock you? Not that is not really shocking at all. The crazy thing is, so he is he was a colonel in the in the in the Marines. So it's like when I met these guys or met him, and you know, you you kind of look at a guy like that, and you're like, okay, cool, you can trust that guy 100. He's a colonel. He's in charge of a battalion, for God's sakes. Mm -hmm. That's fucking huge. If you can't, if you can't trust a guy in charge of a battalion, that's why I didn't really want to come out and say, oh my God, I don't really know about RIP. I mean, what the fuck did this guy do? Um, but he's not revealed his spending or proof of nonprofit application to the Times, I guess, or to the donors that have asked. So it's not clear where the money's actually going. This is where it gets really crazy. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the only one that got, I got duped by this guy at the beginning, I guess. Um, there was another gentleman, I guess, Sean Stance, who was organizing an entire fundraiser in Pittsburgh for them. That's probably no when they were trying to get me to go over and do something for them again. But anyway, he was never shown financial records when he asked for them, I guess. They took me for a fool. Uh, corporate records in Poland. This is one of the ones I actually pulled up right now. If you want to put them on screen, you can. Iron Forge. Yeah. Uh, he started an, he started for a, a, a for-profit, which is fine. There's a lot of for-profit companies, called Iron Forge. In this interview, he expected his charities, this is the crazy part, the charities and others to pay Iron Forge for the transportation, meaning that donor money would then be used to finance his private venture. Which to me, when you look at the documentation that's actually inside of the Iron Forge, you're looking at 99% of it is actually owned by one person that's not even him, which means to me, in my mind, thinks money laundering right out the gate. That's what I think. But I'm not going to make that assumption because I'm not, that's not my job. Yeah. I mean, if you just put two and two together, that's what it kind of sounds like, but I have no idea. Because I mean, if you guys don't understand that, it's basically funneling money from one, from one, cleaning it up in another, and then sending it back to yourself. That's what I think. But I could be incorrect. Okay, he said that there's no conflict of interest existed between Iron Forge, which would ultimately send money back to his charities. I don't know. I have nothing to do with that. I'm just saying that it looks very strange, but I, I don't really, not going to go dive, dive in deep into that. But you have, like I said, you have three sets of things and they're escalating their feud. I, now they're accusing one another of misappropriating funds and lying about their credentials, which 100%, we know James, that's the thing is, the guy sat across from me. This is what pisses me off the most. He sat across from me literally right here and told me these bullshit stories, which I knew at the time. My spotty scissors were going off to bullshit. Well, I knew when I got in my truck they were. But lying to me, to my fucking face, that you were in the military doing all this crazy shit in Iraq. Like, I had respect for, okay, cool. You were in the very beginning portion of Iraq. That was one of the most bloodiest fucking times there was. There was. Yeah, Iraq was fucking yeah. terrible at the beginning. And he went and lied about that, sitting right fucking here. But anyway, Nance said that he, James was not fake and he was troubled. All right, Nance, I'm glad you tweeted that one out. You probably want to re recant that one a day later, huh? <sighs> I don't know. 
I felt like I just went on a, I didn't go on a fucking hippies. I'm being honest. I'm being fucking honest because I, I, I need to be, everybody else needs to be about this shit. People, I mean, you've been over there. It's disappointing. It's fucking disappointing. It's so disappointing when there people, are people doing the right thing because there are people doing the right thing. And I've talked to a lot of people who, uh, you know, being foreign fighters or raising money, who are like, oh, it's so difficult to raise money. You know, because of scumbags. That's the problem is because these guys have the ego to post online and make these videos and the, the guys legitimately doing stuff. They don't have that same attitude. They're not out there doing videos and this and that. So they don't get the support. They don't get the funding. So like the most legit guys, a lot of the times are not getting the support and funding of these ones because it just looks good. You're 100% correct. Because I get on there and I see damn near daily, some people are trying to raise money for drones. They're trying to raise money for medical supplies. That's great. But when you see this kind of shit right here, yeah. this kind of shit, there's not a fucking single American that's going to be, you know what? I'm going to give my money to anything. Why the fuck would anybody want to do that? Absolutely not. Why would anybody in America? That's the other thing. I tell you guys all the fucking time. Do I not? Guess what? Americans are losing their interest in the war. They see this kind of shit. You think that's going to fucking fly? They're like, okay, cool. Now we have people taking advantage of the system as well over there with the money that hard earned. It's been given to by Americans for the most part. You want to shell more of our fucking tax money into this? You really think people are going to get on board with that? I have no idea what's going to end up being the thing of this group. I don't really fucking care, to be honest with you. I don't. I Like I said, after every video, I dump it all and I move on, which I'm going to. But I had to voice my fucking opinion, how mad it makes me over the stolen valor bullshit. God bless. That makes me so fucking mad. The fact that he was able to keep it up for 10 years, props to him. I just couldn't believe that there's one that actually sat in front of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? The shat in front of me. That shit makes me mad. As you guys can't tell, I usually don't get like this on this program. Feel good now. I just feel better. I feel a little better. So you're good, at, you're good at dumping it. I don't dump it. So. I dump it. I'm dumping yeah, it. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm too dumping. invested. I, no. I, every night I sit up like stressing about this. Not not this particular thing, but I'm thinking about this 24-7. What, the war? Yeah. No, no. I, 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 yeah, I, I get on constantly memory. just... Dumped. Run through things, research things. It's shocking. I wish I could dump it. I have to dump it. I mean, I, I've been, I feel like I'm living with this stuff every single day. And it's just, I have it actually. Yeah. Gotta dump it. Has there been anything else going on? There's been a little bit. So I've got some notes. Um, <laughs> but the really the big one for today is the nuclear weapons in Belarus from Putin. I don't think those are, well, I'll let you go on. You got it. Take so, it. Run it. Right. It's being, as always, everything's reported a little bit. Click <laughs> a little bit wrong. They're not giving Belarus nuclear weapons. Russia is going to move some nuclear weapons of theirs in, but they'll be under Russia. They're building some like silos to put them there. And, you know, we do that. We put weapons places. Like, it is a, it is a big move. But the one thing that really pisses me off, and this this podcast is going to be you and me cracking the heads, is the term tactical nuclear weapon. What does that even mean? doesn't exist. So, <laughs> they can't say something. I have... They can't I did, use that. Man, oh, yeah, what does that even mean? I have a three-hour podcast with a guy who's a very senior like intelligence officer and a guy who's a special operations engineer who purely did like CBR and the chemical, biological, nuclear, radioactive stuff. That's all he did. That's their bread and butter. And they're like, tactical nukes don't exist. You have bigger nuclear weapons and smaller nuclear weapons. None of them are tactical. Like it's not, you don't have tactical bullets. You have what, 25 mil. You've got 556. 556 isn't tactical compared to 25 mil. It's just used in different application. So tactical nuke is just an incorrect term. And that, for some reason that annoys the shit out of me. I like it. I've read that, I've read that word off here. I've said tactical nuke. But I don't know <laughs> what it is. I don't even mean anything. There's no such thing as tactical nuke. 
The funny thing is about that is the fact that them moving nukes into Belarus literally changes nothing. Because guess what? Those same nukes that would be fired from Belarus could do the same thing fired from Russia. So there's, I, I mean, what are yeah. they going to get? An actually? ICBM, like intercontinental, intercontinental ballistic missile. It doesn't matter where it is. No, that's, why that's why America's ones, well, America's got them, of course, on the ground. But like, you've also got them on submarines. They can hit anywhere, anywhere in the world very, very quickly. That's the thing is yeah. like, does it really change? But it's, it's more just flexing muscles. It's just, flexing. hey, we're moving this. It's to make, thing, and, but the thing is what America will talk about, red lines and stuff. And we know that, and we did, this is what we really did poorly under the Obama administration was this red line of Russia. If they do this, that's the red line. And Russia walked across that plenty of times in Syria and they did nothing. Oh, now, I'm not going to say what they should have done, but it was the use of like chlorine materials in Syria, which absolutely there is evidence of. And that was the red line. That's the red line. Did it. Nothing that happened. Something used in Iraq so, too. You know, and it goes sort of both ways. And these threats, and Putin does this as well, nuclear escalation, nuclear weapons. He talks about these lines, but they're not going to do it because they know that's mutually assured destruction. That's the mad treaty. No one's firing a nuke because if they do, it's f anyway. Don't stress about that. Like, don't stress about nuclear warfare because if it does, especially if you live in the States, everything's gone anyway. You won't even know. You might get 30 seconds of warning. What's that? What's that sound? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But these red lines they set both, you know, the, the sort of coalition and Russia... Russia love throwing the N-word around, the nuclear word. It's because they, they literally have nothing to do with their blood's cold. Or Donald, yeah, I know. It's kind of funny. I was reading some of the comments as well. People are like, oh my God, he's such a MAGA supporter when I was talking to Sarah. She, oh, yeah. She, she thought it was kind of funny. Classic. She didn't give two f about it, which I thought was kind of funny. I was like, I'm done. This shit's fucking dumb. Yeah. You know what else? You never said anything about what happened inside of, uh, I wouldn't say Syria, but with Iranians. Do yeah, anything so come of that? It's it's this is hard to get a piece on, and I'd have to do a lot more research before I speak on it. Like as far as exactly what's happening, but the US is are they being really tight lipped about it? Right no, now? they're not. There's there's plenty. I'm just not focused on that right now. But there's a lot of shit going down in Syria in the east, I believe, against US bases um, from like Iranian backed fighters, bombings, and then America's bombing the shit out of things as well. So I've I have heard, and this could be complete speculation. Um, so in the beginning, like this time yesterday, it was a one American contractor and six soldiers were killed. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that's incorrect. Mm -hmm. One American contractor was killed and six soldiers were injured. Yeah. Now, I heard this morning, and this could be wrong, that it was somewhere between like 10 and 15 people have now been killed. But I'm unsure on exactly what that looks like at all. But there has been absolute like rocket strikes everywhere. And America has retaliatory strikes over the country. So... That whole situation in Syria is so complex. Like, everything there is so... Like, I've been there, and I still don't completely understand who's fighting who. Like, of course, you've got Assad, you've got the rebels, but it's like Afghanistan. You've got all these other implements in this too. And then I've got people I trust say, no, actually, well, Russia's backing this, and we're backing that. We're on the wrong side. And it's like, whoa, what the hell? Like, man, I know people who are, like, the most pro-Ukrainian, anti-Russian people in the world who are super pro-Russia in Syria. And I'm like... So I, I won't say my two cents on that because I don't know. Um, the rebels were really nice to me. I've got a photo with the rebels. Like we're taking selfies together, so they were nice guys to me. But most people are nicer in the world. But there is absolutely like intense sort of bombing um, from you know, Iranian-backed things within Syria at the moment. It's crazy. It's crazy. I think everybody. My, I mean, I want to take a photo with you. My daughter wanted to take a photo as well. 
When you, when you just pop in a room, everybody's like, oh my God, he looks like a little lovely bulldog. You know? Looked uh, like the guy off the hangover. <laughs> we went out drinking last night and at least like 10 people put up the photo of me at the Bucks party at the um, bachelor, bachelor party that looks like, I look like the guy off the hangover. What's his name? The um, Fidel Fidakidis. No, 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 no. That's a short fat guy. Like, <laughs> you're in my wolf pack. <laughs> yeah. I went dressed as him one night and those people all night hit me up. Like, you look like him. I'm like, oh, fuck. I know. <laughs> exactly but the one probably one of the other things was in no nova Kokovka, which is her son oblast oh there was i got a, so many reports of, of russian forces leaving there uh because it actually got reported from the ukrainian military defense facebook that that happened and then pretty quickly within a couple of hours I actually reported hey that didn't happen they haven't left and a lot of the maps showed blue and then red again um, and all it was was mass. It was Russia doing what they call a massive rotation, and they just saw soldiers leaving, coming in. But it was reported that they left. So a lot of people, and of course, that news picks up a lot better than hey, they, they, that didn't happen. So of course, a lot of people think it's There was that, but there's only like okay, I can actually show mapping. This is what I got for you guys. I'm gonna show it right now. So this is pretty much it. We got Bakhmut. This is the area of everything, and just south of your Advika. Advika. Every time. Advika. <laughs> we'll get there. Okay, I'll get it at some point. That's kind of got a little bit of, not really, not a lot going on down there, but we're talking about Bakhmut right now. That's pretty much it. So we got a couple different pockets that pretty much informed. This one's now closed off. As you guys can tell right there, this is not really that big of a deal. That's closed right there. This pocket somehow is still maintained. I have no idea how it is. Maybe there, I do see a little bit of a river or maybe some water through there. Maybe that's what's helping them. And they've closed in a little bit on the north. But other than that, I'm telling you guys, this is so... The Russians have slowed down. In they have time. slowed down tremendously. That's not even just in this area. We back up just a little bit. They've made no real advancements. Anyway, they're talking about a little bit over here, but not enough for me to even change. We're talking about not enough for me to even change on a map, for God's sakes. Now, talking about mapping and slowdowns, um, I'm going to tell you guys right now, uh, what did Zelensky come out and say? What was it? What so <clears throat> Zelensky basically has come out putting some sort of doubts on the upcoming offensives, saying that they need more stuff. So the article really was released by the BBC, saying um, no Ukraine offensive without weapons um, from Zelensky. So he come out and he said, we can't start yet. We can't send our brave soldiers to the front line without tanks, artillery and long-range rockets. He continues with, uh, if you have political will, you can find a way to help us. We're at war and can't wait and this is talking about they need more equipment um as well so but there's been a lot of people throw shade on this saying like is the, how true is this or is it a bit of a play to potentially um change how russia's makeup is on the ground because if russia is absolutely look at progosian and progosian the head of wagner group yeah. talks about in length about this is exactly where they're coming from like the ukrainians are going to attack here do this blah, blah blah and they're preparing for that on the ground and building up defensive locations. And of course that means the manning of troops in certain areas. But people are pointing at could this from Zelensky be a bit more into that play of an offensive not coming, not coming, and then bang, it happens. And the Russians maybe not in the most optimal positions on the ground. Maybe it's thinner across the lower front line, maybe they're more dispersed. So we don't really know, but we do know that the amount of you know weapons Ukraine has for a major offensive, as far as tanks, artillery, is still limited to a degree like they've got a lot they're getting a lot but there's been a lot of like experts throw sort of doubt in the ring of yeah you've got 
you know, X amount of tanks, but you need a lot more than that. Where the CEO of Rain Metal came out. Now, I will say the CEO of Rain Metal, of course he has, you know, he's got his fingers in the pie too. He's a businessman. They run a business. War is their business. Um, but he has said that Ukraine would need 600 modern tanks, like main battle tanks, to launch this offensive. And, of course, they want to sell them their tanks. But even if we take half that number of these modern ones, modern Western tanks, that's not as many as we're seeing delivered into Ukraine. People throw shade on that. They'll say, no, it's more like 400. You're talking a lot of um, Leopard 1s and Leopard 2, like older Leopard 2 variants, not really. We're talking modern vehicles. Leopard 1s are not a modern tank. Leopard 1s were, you know, made to counter Soviet uh, Cold War stuff. It's, it's all old. Uh, not, that they're, not that they're a poor tank. Not that the T-72 is a bad tank either. People throw me on that, but they're not. It's just not made for the time. But the uh, the biggest thing in that is the artillery. Is A lot of people are putting up numbers about how much artillery can actually be made for offensives. And there's been a lot of people come out and say, like, look, this there's not going to be a be-all, end-all offensive. You know, and uh, there's a really good quote from an officer talking about, a Ukrainian officer talking about, look, we know we want this and we want to sweep from you know, north to south or south to north and we've sweeped through and you know, liberate all our territory, including Crimea and Donetsk. And he was like, look, he was basically saying, look, that will happen, but don't expect this like overnight and in one foul swoop because at the end of the day, Russia has a lot of land. They've got a lot of land they've had since 2014 that's dug in and there are absolute problems with like shell shortage and starva- shell starvation at, at the moment. So... It is different. And I'm not saying Russia doesn't have the same problems, but it's not as widely reported that there is a problem with artillery at the moment. That it's just a load of artillery. You need thousands, tens of thousands of rounds a day to make them. And the West, all the West, has just not prepared for a war on their scale. And this war, like the scale of the Ukraine-Russian war, is not that big. I know it's big if you're in Ukraine or you're in Russia, but it's not a world war size. And the West has really let themselves down with, hey, if we're, if we're worrying about artillery, holy sh**, like, thank God we didn't go into a full-scale war with BRICS, with, you know, China, India, Russia. Like, that would be catastrophic. We don't have the stuff. Now, hopefully we're learning our lesson in this and going, hey, these wars can kick off whenever. We need the ability, like America need the ability to make 10 million shells a year if they need to. And we were a lot more prepared, the whole West, was more prepared for war than they are now back in the day, especially Cold War era. We were prepared to do that. Just down from where my base was, there is a tunnel from the airstrip, and this is complete, you can look it up, it's not um, like secret at all. From the airstrip, because I was on an Air Force base, there is a tank-sized tunnel from there that ran to the Holden factory, so General Motors factory, and that factory could be refitted to repair tanks in wartime. So they could go from the airfield, drive the, I don't know, say four miles underground to that factory and repair them. The dog food factory down from where it were had things in place to take apart their machines, clean them, and then pump out human-grade food, which dog food, military food, I don't know if it's which one's human-grade. But either way, I just use those as examples of these were the things we had in place during those Cold War times. And I think we've forgotten a bit of that. And it's being seen in this shell starvation and... You know, France and Australia have signed a new deal to start making shells, like desperately make shells. And these things are an issue. And this could, you know, affect, because of course America and these countries need an amount because no one's saying that America can go war tomorrow somewhere. We don't know. 
you still need an amount of reserve. You can't send everything. You know, and people will point out, well, this small European country has sent basically everything. And it's like, yes, because if they're a NATO country, they know that if they get invaded, NATO will support them. But at the end of the day, what is the major army in NATO? America. If America sends all of its artillery, big problem. So we'll see. But it was a very interesting thing from Zelensky throwing a lot of shade on this. So it's only some doubt. But people are pointing at, could it be a ruse? Is it legit? We don't really know. But we know that we're going to start seeing offences at some point. I would hope so. Or we're going to be sitting in a stale, stagnant cesspool of a war for the next how many well, months? Time is, on the, time is on the side of, of the, the Russian forces. That's the yes. thing people don't understand is time is on the side of Russia. And, and I said this last time and, and I got jumped on for it, but Russia is more willing to put people in a, their own people in terrible situations than Ukraine is to put their people in and the West is willing to put Ukrainians in. So let's say this war carries on for years and there's people in Ukraine and Russia starving to death, freezing to death. I have no doubt the Kremlin, the Kremlin's done this all through time. They've done this to their own people plenty of times. Starve and free, whatever. If we start seeing that en masse in Ukraine, that's where I think it'll be like, right, we need to see some end in this. How does it look? What's the breakup? And only today there's been a lot released about that uh, President Xi from China didn't have a meeting with um, President Zelensky of Ukraine about you know peace deals. Of course, China released a 12-point peace plan in uh, early February, I believe, or maybe late Feb. And you know it came with a lot of criticism because it didn't talk about territorial stuff, which is what Ukraine really want. They're like, we don't care about all this other shit. Like, we want rebuild, we want whatever. But most of all, number one is we want our land. We want our, you know, post-91, um, pre-14 border. That's what we want. And it didn't talk about that. And, of course, China, Russia, buddy, buddy. But it was, you know, Xi was with um, Putin over the last week for three days in meetings and, you know, talking about how they're good friends, all this. And after it, it was seen that then, you know, China, President Xi would have a meeting over the phone with President Zelensky, and that never happened. So there's a little bit up in the air and, you know, it's been very clear which side China has now really chosen in this. China was very, it's hard because it depends. You would say they meet the term of neutral, but people will say if you're neutral, um, what's that quote? If you're neutral in times of oppression, then you have sided with the oppressor. So, you know, and I can see where that comes from. So people are saying, well, China's neutral, but that means they've sided with Russia, whatever. But now with, you know, talking with Russia, doing all, having meetings, talking about peace plans that absolutely benefit Russia, and now some of the things said with Putin, it's sort of been more clear which side they've chosen. But one interesting one in this, within BRICS, so BRICS is like the wish.com version of NATO, but with a shitload more people. So if you look at the people makeup, way bigger. But so BRICS is uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and... It's the S. Bricks. What other corrupt country is there? Um, oh, no, it is South Africa, sorry. Yeah. Bricks is yeah. Brazil, Russia, India, and South Africa, China. Oh, no, right. I did that in the wrong order. But <laughs> the population between that is massive. But one of the biggest problems is India is a huge player in this. India is underappreciated in as, as far as developing nations as far as militarily. Very powerful. And I know that there's coalition stuff trying to get a bit more buddy-buddy with India. I know there's Australian-American soldiers doing some like um, 
to and from stuff with them at the moment. Like going, oh, look, we'll show you this. And all that is trying to build relations because India potentially is very, very dangerous in the coming years. But the big supplier to India of weapons is Russia. And of course, Russia at the moment actually isn't keeping up with the supply of some of those arms. So the S-400, some of the tanks. And we've actually seen... So, of course, every country has... Or every country makes arms. They've got their variant and the export variant. So the, we've spoken a lot about tanks in this. So the Abrams tank has an American variant and an export variant. The American variant has all the secret shit. Export variant is just a sort of dulled-in version. It comes with fighter jets. It comes with all equipment. We've actually seen Russia using export variant equipment, which most people say would be on the way to India. So there is some sort of discretion there against like India's not getting some of their orders fulfilled potentially. What could that influence that relationship? We don't know. Is there something where the West could refill and try and buddy buddy up with that? Because India's massive, very powerful. And, you know, we will see India in the coming years become very, very, well, they already are relevant, but much more relevant on the world stage, especially in arms. But they're a hell of a call center. Yep. <laughs> they have a hell of a call center in India. It doesn't matter where you're at, they have a hell of a call center in India. And tech guys and web guys. And all the Space Force too. What means they can have... They got know, everything. They can it? launch missiles. And this is something people... Someone spoke to me. I might have been yourself. I don't know if we're alive or not about, but do Russian you know, ICBM missiles work? And where well, I have no doubt that those nukes do work because we see... Well, between the um, American shuttle program and Elon Musk, who launched every... U.S. astronaut space, Russian, Russian rockets. We know those, you know, sort of orbital ro rockets work. So that's basically what ICBM is. And it goes into or, like low Earth orbit and it comes back down. And we see time and time again, we know they've got, you know, the accuracy is one thing on their cruise missiles, but we know that those missiles work. So the technology and a lot of these, a lot of what they're sending is just, they, you'll hear this word nuclear capable thrown around. Anything, my backpack's nuclear capable. We just put a small bomb in it. But a lot of these <laughs> missiles were developed to carry a nuclear warhead and they've just taken the warhead off, put something else on and fire. So we know that those exist. The The idea that every single ICBM that America, uh, sorry, um, Russia has doesn't work is silly. They, it's, it's That's what they need to work. Um, and technology's been around forever. We've seen them test it. North Korea have the tech. Bloody Russia will have the tech. They say what you will about Russian tech. Is better than North Korean tech. Facts. There's one thing we missed on James Vasquez, if we can chop this in, was on his interview with Johnny FD, there's a part where he goes, where Johnny asks, what is this vehicle? Pointing at the vehicle on, um, in, in Kiev when they had all the armored, destroyed Russian armored vehicles out. And he replies with, oh, it's HIMARS. Now, HIMARS is a very, very distinctive vehicle and very famous. And this is just me putting in my two cents of like, you want about it's a tos 1a like it's on a t72 hull with a multi-launch rocket system on top thermobaric and if you look up tos 1a like it is scary man like those thermobaric multi-launch are scary as um but it's a russian multi-launch rocket system it looks nothing like a HIMARS. and oh mr vazquez that's HIMARS. and he even says in it oh it might be a destroyed ukrainian one and i'm like the only TOS ones that Ukraine has, to my understanding, are captured ones. Like, it's not even in the... It's just... It's another piece of, like, what the f*** is going about? Like, just... It's hard. 
that pissed me off. Like, like the wrong identification of a vehicle that is so obviously <laughs> not it. Like it's like it, the difference, and you'll find a photo of a high Mars. Like so, we'll put up a photo of a high Mars and a TOS, and you'd be like, "What?" Like the variants are hard. Like any any T variant of Russian equipment is difficult because they all look the bloody same. But that no, especially American. You should know what Heimar is. Come on, I know what it is. I'm an idiot. I would agree. I would. Well, I think this was a uh, a good one. A okay, you good with it? I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm happy. I don't think uh, we've, we haven't missed anything. We haven't missed anything. Okay, good. Well, I do love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'm. We're gonna go back to our normal scheduled programming maybe tomorrow. I guess. I, I have no idea. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I do love you guys. We are out of here.